It is a pleasure to be with you this day. I cannot think of BYU's Women's Conference without reflecting upon why we are gathered together. We have come to associate one with another to share a sisterhood. We have come to be edified and feel the Spirit. As women in a media-saturated world, we are bombarded with images as to what we must possess, what we must do, what we must wear, what we must weigh, and many other criteria in order to be valued. I do not believe that this is what our Heavenly Father would want us to do, to question our eternal worth. I would like to share with you a personal experience which happened to our family 20 years ago, which helped me to recognize that which truly matters. Our young family had the opportunity to move from Salt Lake City to New Canaan, Connecticut so that my husband could accept a work assignment in New York City. When looking for housing, an energetic real estate agent said, You are so fortunate to be Mormons, because when you're a Mormon, it doesn't matter where you live, you'll have other Mormons just waiting to welcome you and to be your friend. And this is exactly what happened. The two years passed by very quickly, and soon the time came when we were to move back to Salt Lake City. It was surprising to me to find that I had very mixed feelings about moving back home. Individuals who had been strangers two years earlier were now dear friends. And I loved these friends because they had welcomed me wholeheartedly and had become loving role models in my life. Moving day arrived, and the movers came and packed all of our belongings, and together with my husband Roger, we watched the moving van drive down Parade Hill Road. I felt sick. I rationalized that I was feeling this way because I was so sad to leave this beautiful community and our choice Connecticut friends. I comforted myself by assuring myself that everything I was feeling was understandable. That night, I couldn't sleep. I felt no peace. In the morning, my husband and I and our three children boarded the plane to return to Salt Lake. All was well. Two days later, I found that all was not well. We received a phone call from the moving company telling us that our moving van had been involved in an accident and most of our possessions had burned. A few items were sent to us, a scrapbook, a few toys, a waffle iron. If you could be selective in determining what you could save and what could be lost, this might be a good thing. I no longer needed to worry about, any, about finishing any of my Relief Society projects. <laughs> I did, however, lose a beautiful quilt which my deceased grandmother had made for me, which could never be replaced. I felt sorrow to realize that my beautiful temple clothing had all burned. We began the process of filling out insurance papers, trying to recall all of our possessions, 
and placing a monetary replacement value on them. We filled in every line. We hadn't just lost dinnerware. We lost Royal Dalton Galaxy China dinnerware. And this process took several weeks. One night, as I was working on the papers, I reflected upon a scripture. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This made me ask, who am I? If I take away all earthly goods, what is left? I knew that unlike the world's perception, it takes more than possessions to define my individual worth. I knew that I was a wife, a mother, a daughter, a friend. I knew that I had a testimony of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and much, much more. I knew that I was a daughter of God. This was a powerful defining moment in my young life. We gain great strength as we recognize that we are literally daughters of God. President Hinckley recently taught, you are second to none. You are daughters of God. There has come to you as your birthright something beautiful and sacred and divine. Never forget that. Your father is the great master of the universe. He rules over all, but he will also listen to your prayers as his daughter and hear you as you speak with him. He will answer your prayers. He will not leave you alone. Each Sunday, young women around the world are reminded of this powerful truth as they recite the young women's theme. We are daughters of our Heavenly Father, who loves us, and we love Him. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verses 22 through 24, we read of a vision received by the Prophet Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon. And now, after the many testimonies which have been given of Him, this is the testimony, last of all, which we give of Him, that He lives. For we saw him, even on the right hand of God, and we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father, that by him and through him and of him the worlds are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters of God. Do we fully recognize and understand the blessing, the power, and the responsibility which is ours as a daughter of God. Each one of us must gain a personal testimony of this divine truth and live a righteous life based on her conviction throughout her life. Through this knowledge, we gain a greater understanding of many other powerful gospel truths, some of which are we lived with our Father in heaven before we came to this earth, and he is the Father of our spirit. 
We possessed divine attributes. We supported the plan of salvation. We wanted to gain a mortal body, improve ourselves in this mortal probationary state. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who does the Father's will in all things and who makes everything possible. Our Heavenly Father wants us to be obedient, to make correct choices so that we will gain experience, be happy, and return to live with Him once again. Our Heavenly Father loves us. This is empowering knowledge, and this knowledge sustains us and strengthens us to meet whatever challenges we are called upon to bear. How might we continually remember that we are daughters of God? How can we help our own precious daughters gain this important knowledge? Today, I would like to talk about four ways. We must pray. We must read our scriptures. We must serve. We must love. I have the opportunity to serve on the Young Women General Board. In preparation for our recent meeting, a questionnaire was sent to many stakes asking the young women to respond to the theme of the general meeting, search diligently, pray always, and be believing, and all things shall work together for your good. Young women were also asked to share their testimonies as to how they knew of their Heavenly Father's love for them. About 600 letters arrived at the young women's office. One of the ways that I would like to use to illustrate the four points I have mentioned is by sharing some of their words with you today. Many times we look to older, more experienced sisters as our examples. I testify that we can learn much as we look to our choice young women. Frequently, I would read a letter and softly express to myself with sincere emotion, I want to be as faithful as this young woman. I felt that these letters were holy. Many letters illustrated the powerful influence loving parents play in helping young women recognize that they are daughters of God. My first point in recognizing that we are daughters of God, we must pray. We are here today in part because of a simple prayer, a life-changing prayer, the prayer of the boy prophet Joseph Smith. I love to read the Joseph Smith history as recorded in our scriptures and would encourage each woman in attendance today to reread this inspiring account. Joseph shares his experience. I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head above the brightness of the sun, which descended gradually until it fell upon me. I saw two personages, whose brightness and glory defy all description, standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, calling me by name, and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved son. Hear him. My object in going to inquire of the Lord was to know which of all the sects was right, that I might know which to join. No sooner, therefore, did I get possession of myself so as to be able to speak than I asked the personages who stood above me in the light which of all the sects was right and which I should join. 
There are so many insights that we may glean as we read the prophet Joseph Smith's account. Young Joseph read his scriptures. Joseph received inspiration as to how he could apply what the scriptures taught to his own personal questions. He made a decision that he would pray. He was anxious about this, but determined nevertheless that he would pray. Joseph's profound revelation began with God the Father personally acknowledging Joseph, calling me by name. Joseph spoke and asked the personages his questions. God the Father and Jesus Christ listened to a 14-year-old boy's questions and answered them. The following account was shared by a modern-day 13-year-old girl. One night, I felt a real prompting to say my prayers. I got on my knees and began my simple prayer. Soon I said the words, Heavenly Father, I love Thee so much. And as soon as I said these words, something came over me that truly touched my heart. I felt my Heavenly Father's love for me. And I went on to express my thanks for this feeling that I had. I expressed thanks for the gospel and asked him to bless my family. When I finished my prayer, the feeling I had remained with me. I wiped away my tears. And I looked up at the ceiling, almost expecting to see him. But instead of seeing him with my eyes, I felt him with my heart. I know Heavenly Father loves me. Another young woman writes, I learned to pray from listening to my mom. Sometimes I would wake up in the morning and she would be praying in our living room. She has always been an example that way. She is always showing our family the right way to go. My second point, we must read our scriptures. Recently, I came across a small booklet prepared many years ago. The booklet is entitled, The Value of Knowing the Scriptures in Your Youth, written by President J. Reuben Clark, Jr. I quote from it, We come to know God and Jesus Christ by reading and obeying the commandments they have given us all. We should read the scriptures that we might know what the Lord has told us to do and what conduct we should follow. Otherwise, we do not know by what means we shall enter into the presence of our Heavenly Father and have the glory and the exaltation which he has destined us to possess. Apostles and prophets today share with us these same truths. The following are cherished words inscribed on the flyleaf page of a young woman's triple combination, written by another prophet of God. April 9, 1944. To my dear Maureen, that you may have a constant measure by which to judge between truth and the error of man's philosophies, and thus grow in spirituality as you increase in knowledge. I give you this sacred book to read frequently and to cherish throughout your life. Lovingly, your father, Harold B. Lee. 
by reading the scriptures and studying them, we can always discern that which is true and comes from God. Hundreds of young women expressed in their letters how they gained strength from the scriptures. Let me share just a few. Before reading my scriptures, I pray and I ask the Lord to help me understand the hard words and the prophet's trials. I pray asking him to help me read with my heart and not just my brain. Another, I found while studying the scriptures, praying and reading about the different prophets and their choices, I began to see the different qualities that I had and began to understand that I was a true daughter of God. And another, sometimes I like to read my parents' scriptures and see the individual scriptures that they have marked and read the comments that they have made. And finally, from a young beehive, remembering an important experience that she had had. When I was six, our family had almost finished the Picture Book of Mormon, It was then that I heard about Moroni's promise, and I decided to take him up on it. In my personal prayers, I asked to know if the Book of Mormon was true. For a while, nothing happened. But then the next Sunday, while reading the picture Book of Mormon, I got a warm feeling, and I knew it was true. My next point, we must serve. The Savior continually taught by his example that it is only through service that we can truly come unto him. The author Henry Van Dyke writes in his story, The Mansion, a powerful truth about service. The main character, John Waitman, dreams that he has passed on from his mortal existence and is sorely disappointed when he sees his pitiful heavenly reward. He inquires of the keeper of the heavenly gate, What is it that counts here? The reply, Only that which is truly given. Only that good which is done for the love of doing it. Only those plans in which the welfare of others is the master thought. Only those labors in which the sacrifice is greater than the reward. Only those gifts in which the giver forgets himself. These are the things that the king never forgets. A young woman writes, Dear Young Women General Board, I had an incredible opportunity to visit Guatemala with a local organization doing many different types of service. Once I was helping in a clinic and I was asked to feed a very sick child in an orphanage. I was terrified and I said a silent prayer for strength. And that is when the little saying, What would Jesus do? popped into my head. Except this was in a different context. This wasn't, Would Jesus watch this movie? It was, If Jesus were here on earth today, what would he be doing? The answer was right in front of me. He would be helping his children, helping the weak in spirit, strengthening his brethren. I now have such a strong testimony of my purpose. My final point, 
we must love. For many of us, we come to know of our Heavenly Father's love because we daily live with the blessing of experiencing our parents' love for us. Shortly after Valentine's Day, I received this picture from our three-year-old granddaughter, Emmy. She was elated when she awoke on Valentine's Day and saw her parents' love notes dangling from her doorway. Some of Emmy's first words were, Where Mama go? Where Daddy go? Emmy feels secure because she knows of her parents' love. We can learn of our Heavenly Father's love for us through our personal patriarchal blessings. Just as we have the opportunity to receive Father's blessings from righteous priesthood holders, when we receive our patriarchal blessing, we may know of our Heavenly Father's love and our divine attributes and characteristics that He knows we possess, as well as what possibilities are open to us through our righteous choices. One of my favorite things that I like to do when I was a teenager was to periodically read my parents' patriarchal blessings. I did so privately, and I remember that I did this with reverence. They are remarkable blessings. And I love to read in their blessings about the choice spirits that would come into their home. I would be able to feel the Holy Ghost confirm to me as I read these words that I was one of those choice spirits. And I felt of my Heavenly Father's love. We learn many great and important lessons from the example of our parents. And I would like to share one such example I witnessed. It was an example of service and love. About one year ago, it was decided upon the advice from her doctors that my mother would have double knee replacement surgery. The surgery took place and all went well except that, as anyone who has had knee surgery will attest, she was in a great amount of pain with limited mobility. She was released from the hospital and came home. This was a very challenging time, and when the weekend arrived, my father needed to travel to Arizona as he had been given the assignment to speak to multiple stakes in the Phoenix area. The night before he was to leave, Dad said, I guess I'll have to pack my bag. Where is my bag? (laughs) My mother told him where the bag was and what he would need to pack. My father started removing his shirts from the closet, and I took the shirts from him and prepared to help fold them and put them in the suitcase. My mother, lying in her bed, experiencing a great deal of pain, said, No, Anne, put the bag by me. Give me the socks and Dad's shirts. I know just how to fold them, just the way he likes them. And that's my job. And I've been packing his bag for conferences for 40 years. My father and I watched and assisted as directed by my mother as she lovingly placed all that my father would need for the conference in his small suitcase. Tenderly, she placed each item 
just the way he likes them. That night, I watched what for me was a sacred example of service and love. I watched as my mother helped my father, as much as she could, fulfill his calling. I knew of my mother's love for my father, and I knew of my father's love for my mother, and I knew of their love for me, their daughter. And I came to know that evening that as I understand the love as exhibited by my parents and the love that they have for me, I can also have faith and understand my Heavenly Father's love for me. I know that I am a daughter of God. May it be our most sincere desire to know of our Father's great love for each of us that we may come to this knowledge as we pray, read our scriptures, serve, and love. We need never be confused by the world's illusions and misperceptions. When we take all earthly possessions away, we will know who we are. We are second to none. We are daughters of God. I bear my testimony to this great truth and do so. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.